Hello, and welcome to the Frontier Strategy Group podcast series. FSG is the leading information services provider for emerging markets executives. We partner with business leaders at over 200 multinationals, providing them with research, analytical tools, and data that helps power their emerging markets business strategies. The focus of today's podcast is our recent work on organizational footprints in Latin America. My name is Ryan Breyer, and I'm the practice leader on the Latin American research team here at FSG. Joining me for today's conversation is our Latin America research analyst, Christine Hirlihi. As a reminder, this research and all of our content is available via our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com. Please contact your FSG account manager if you have misplaced your login credentials. Christine, welcome. Let's get right into it. Can you tell me a little bit about why you've chosen to explore the topic of organizational structure and footprint in Latin America right now? Sure, Ryan. Essentially, our clients are under a lot of pressure right now to reduce their costs and streamline their regional operations, and they see optimizing their regional footprint as one way to do this. Uh, It can be very cost-effective, and it doesn't necessarily entail reducing headcount. So in many ways, there are advantages to bringing your costs in line via moving some, some parts of your organization around. There are four main drivers causing executives to pursue this shift. Actually, we have the ongoing slowdown in developed economies. On a regional basis, we see anemic growth in Brazil, as well as resurgent volatility in Venezuela and Argentina, which are causing executives to reevaluate their regional priorities and consider faster-growing emerging opportunities in the Andean region, uh, as well as resurgence in Mexico uh, in the wake of Peña Neto's reform agenda, that are really causing them to shift their bets out of Brazil, out of volatile markets towards these newer opportunities. Hmm. Okay. So what are the main organizational decisions that you chose to look at in your research? Sure. So I think to put this into perspective, it's helpful to consider who we're targeting with this piece. On the one hand, if you're new to market, it's obviously to your benefit to avoid the mistakes that your more well-established peers have made. Whereas if you're well-established in market, you may be looking at moving some pieces around uh, and perhaps reevaluating some the presence in the region that may, you may have inherited rather than strategically decided to put in place. So with this in mind, we've picked three factors. Uh, one is the location of your regional headquarters. Two is where you put your regional shared service centers, if in fact you choose to have them. Uh, and three, we're looking at regional logistics hubs uh, as well as warehouses. Hmm. Well, let's start with the regional headquarters then. Where did you find that most companies typically choose to place their Latin American headquarters? And what are the factors that underpin that decision? Sure. So we surveyed our client base and we found out that two-thirds of our clients, roughly 50-50 in terms of the split, run their regional operations out of either Miami or Sao Paulo. Uh, A smaller percentage, about 13%, run them out of Mexico City, uh, whereas the remaining 26.7% are divided primarily among U.S. cities, typically their broader corporate headquarters, or other locations within the region. Uh, Among those, I would highlight uh, Buenos Aires as well as Bogota, Uh, and that's a much smaller minority, typically they're U.S.-based. And underlying these decisions are four main factors, one of which is proximity to largest in-market opportunities. So this is the primary factor guiding companies towards Sao Paulo. They typically view Brazil as their biggest bet within the region, and they feel Sao Paulo is their best opportunity to establish a foothold there. 
Uh, three other factors which are really important in the, the process are the availability of skilled talent, the tax and regulatory environment, and the quality of infrastructure. Uh, and by infrastructure, of course, we mean both physical as well as IT. Uh, and on those three factors, Miami, of course, definitely outweighs Sao Paulo in terms of favorability. Mm, interesting. And do you see or do you expect to see, uh, rather, any major shifts in those factors that might change the calculus for companies looking to relocate their headquarters in the future? Sure, absolutely. I think that when you look at Miami right now, the chief advantage is cost. That's not really going to change. You'll, you're still going to have U.S. quality infrastructure and talent availability. However, in terms of proximity to opportunities within the region, Miami is really not going to be able to gain ground there. Uh, Brazil, you see a similar story in terms of static advantages as well as disadvantages. The primary advantage is presence in Brazil uh, when you look at Sao Paulo. Uh, and as companies shift uh, and, and, re- and consider reallocating resources within the region, we do expect Brazil to lose favor, particularly as growth remains stalled and costs continue to rise. So we expect companies to consider second-generation headquarter locations that offer proximity to faster-growing markets, uh, as well as rapidly improving operating environments. Mm. So, so what does that mean specifically in terms of where companies should think about for their headquarters moving forward? So we've highlighted three ca- uh, three candidates, if you will, that we refer to as second-generation options, uh, the first of which is Bogota. Uh, in Bogota, we feel the main advantage there is that it offers you direct presence in a key Indian market, which is, of course, the largest and for many companies most favorable within the very fast-growing Indian region. When you look at the challenges of operating out of Bogota, Uh, It's warranted to highlight corruption, of course, underdeveloped infrastructure, as well as remaining security risks. While the security situation in Colombia has definitely improved, and we feel that there's upside potential as the peace deal with the FARC, as negotiations are ongoing, uh, these are risks and they warrant consideration. Uh, Additionally, we look at Panama City. Here, companies find a government that's very willing to partner with the private sector and to facilitate trade, as well as offer a very favorable tax environment. It's also a dollarized economy, and it's very expat-friendly. So if you're looking at moving some key people down for managerial roles, it's a great location. When you look at challenges, uh, we have, of course, corruption and crime, which are fairly prominent throughout Central America. Uh, The real key challenge here is that Panama in and of itself offers a very small domestic market, so it's not necessarily strategic uh, in terms of regional priorities. Uh, We do highlight, of course, looking forwards, the canal expansion as well as sustained improvements more broadly speaking, in infrastructure throughout the country will make it easier and cheaper to import and export. Uh, finally, we look at Mexico City, where we see in terms of advantages location, you know, it offers you proximity not only to Latin America, but also to the U.S. So if you have a U.S.-based supply chain, that can be very effective. It's also a favorable and relatively mature developed market for most of the multinationals that we work with. Hmm. Aside from cities like uh, Bogota, Panama City, and uh, DFA, Are there any other locations that a company might want to consider perhaps even further on down the road? Sure. So I'd highlight a couple different options, all of which do have their advantages to be sure, but they have some some pretty serious downside risks, which I think are also worth mentioning. Uh, So on the one hand, you have cities like Santiago, Chile, and San Jose, Costa Rica. Here you see very pro-business incentives in place, as well as the availability of highly educated talent. Uh, Chile and Costa Rica offer some of the best labor markets in the region in terms of education. However, both markets are very small uh, from a, you know, in terms of a domestic market, so that definitely limits the appeal of operating out of these two cities. Uh, additionally, we have Curitiba and Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, 
where once again you do get the direct presence in Brazil. However, these these cities, in our opinion, pretty much imply all of the cost challenges you're likely to face in Sao Paulo. Uh, finally, I'd mention Buenos Aires and Montevideo uh, as comeback candidates. Right now, of course, you have a highly educated talent base in both countries, but macroeconomic conditions make investing there, especially large-scale investment like headquarters, a highly un- unfavorable and unadvisable decision. Mm. Okay. So the next organizational decision that you said you looked at was shared services centers. Um, what were some of the factors that you found to be driving that decision for multinationals in the region? Sure. So in general, when you look at the broad, high-level trade-off when you talk about shared service centers, companies are essentially tr- striving to maximize scale while minimizing cost. So there are three factors which play into that trade-off, one of which is location. So here we're looking at the proximity of the shared service center to either a present or a future market opportunity, weighed against the alternative of entering a new market, perhaps a very low-cost market, for the sole purpose of establishing a shared service center, uh, and of course exposing yourself to all sorts of risks in the process. Uh, Additionally, we look at talent skill versus talent cost. So here you're considering factors such as the depth and breadth of the domestic labor market, uh, as well as your ability to build scale from a personnel perspective as your company grows. So is this market deep enough to allow you to expand headcount if you need to? And is it affordable enough to allow you to realize the cost savings that's driving you uh, to centralize this function in the first place? Finally, we look at risk. So here we're talking about two main sets of considerations, one of which is the likelihood that your local or broader regional operations might be impacted by political or economic volatility in the market. Additionally, we're looking at the expectations as to whether your current cost-benefit calculations, uh, in terms primarily of wage costs, will still hold true five to ten years down the road as the labor market in question evolves. So given those three factors of location, talent, and risk, where do you think the savviest companies will locate their next generation of shared services centers? So we highlight three cities in this report, the first of which is Bogota, primarily, again, because it offers presence in the Andean region where most companies are already looking to expand anyways. Additionally, you do have a relatively balanced labor market, although we'd highlight that wages are outpacing productivity growth. So there are some downside risks there. Uh, Additionally, it may be difficult to secure buy-in from corporate if they're particularly risk-averse. We also highlight Lima, which you're able to essentially tap into a relatively well-developed call center uh, sector of the economy there. So you can fill low-value-added tasks uh, at a relatively affordable rate. Uh, We do expect, however, that labor costs may rise uh, over the medium term as investment steps up in, in Peru. Finally, we highlight San Jose, Costa Rica, uh, primarily because of tax incentives, as well as a very well-educated workforce. Uh, in Costa Rica, you have a very long-standing tradition of uh, foreign direct investment in the IT sector in particular. So this can be a very good, uh, good market from which to run that part of your operation. Mm, interesting. So moving on to the final uh, decision that we looked at, what do companies think about when they consider where to place a logistics hub in Latin America? So we highlight four main factors here, and these are all the ones you might expect when you talk about logistics, importing, exporting across borders. Uh, We're looking at infrastructure quality and connectivity, and this is particularly true both from a physical and transport perspective, as well as from an IT perspective. So there you're more concerned with things like uh, access to to phones, to data networks, to internet, and things along these lines. Uh, We're looking at ease, the uh, cost, and speed of importing and exporting. Uh, tax and regulatory incentives, or of course the lack thereof, 
Uh, and finally, security and compliance-related risks. And you basically sum up all these factors and wind up with the net impact on your supply chain costs, as well as the net impact on the speed of response to fluctuations in demand. So what about the bifurcation in trade policies that we are seeing emerge between Mercosur countries and Pacific Alliance countries? Do you expect that this could potentially influence how companies think about logistics centers in the region moving forward? I think it will absolutely have an impact. On the one hand, you look at Mercosur, which has long since ceased to function as any sort of operation promoting trade and has, in fact, become quite protectionist and quite politicized. Uh, And on the other hand, you have the Pacific Alliance, which consists, of course, of uh, Chile, Colombia, Peru, and Mexico, uh, as well as Costa Rica and Panama, which are observers hoping to become full members. Uh, Here, you really do see a concentrated, very much pro-market effort to reduce barriers to trade, uh, as well as barriers to mobility of people. So our view is that this will make it easier and quite advantageous to trade, not only among member countries, but also with Asia. It also may help ameliorate some of the labor market conditions that these markets are facing, which may make it easier for multinationals to increase headcount and bring in expats as needed. So our view is that companies, when they consider their regional trade um, network, will strive to prioritize the Pacific Alliance members and shift their operations out of Mercosur member states, primarily to to capitalize on opportunity, but also to reduce risk. Hmm. Excellent. Well, Christine, thank you so much for these great insights. We look forward to speaking with you again soon. As a reminder, you can access this report and all FSG content on our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com. This concludes our podcast. We wish you great outperformance in your emerging markets. Thank you.